our, our youngest son, Gabriel, <clears throat> who's living back home now, I, I want to really encourage you to be praying for, for him. This might not seem like a big deal to some folks, but as most of you that know Gabriel, uh, you know that he he has one passion that probably excels all other passions that he has, and that's his dogs, his hunting dogs. Um, and he lost, <clears throat> excuse me, three pups today, um, had to put one of those down, so he's, um, that's, that's tough on him, so, so please be praying for him. Um, my wife, Joan, as well, she's going to be traveling, um, going out of the country, and, and I'm glad for her. There's nothing that Joan loves more than traveling, but boy, I'd I ain't liking it much. Um, she's, uh, I don't like that bachelor life. I lived that long enough before I got married. Uh, so, so, but, but do uh, be praying for her, um, that they have a safe trip. Um, a friend of hers is um, actually funding uh, her trip. Uh, to, and so be praying for them as they travel. There's like four of them, I think, that are going. Uh, also, I want to encourage you to really be praying for Miss Minnie Rhodes. Her her family is going through a really difficult time right now. Um, Malik, her grandson, most of y'all know Malik. He was in our youth program till he moved away from here. Um, and Malik is <coughs> and his girlfriend are both in jail right now. So um, please, please certainly be be praying. God might use this as an opportunity to draw each of them closer to himself and he lay his healing hand on Miss Minnie's heart right now. I know that's got to be awful disappointing and, and discouraging for her. Um, as always, remember uh, Brother Kenny Oliveira and um, Miss Ella, um, Kenny Childers, um, and I, I, I know that we all have been, but just r really burdened for um, those within our, our you, you know, so I got to be careful how I say things. Sometimes I just open my mouth. Anybody else have that problem? You just open your mouth and stuff comes out. And um, I've never been known for having a filter, um, but. You know, we've we've got some folks that, as much as it pains me to say this, um, that I don't want here right now. Um, I don't want them going anywhere right now. If 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 I had my way, they would be isolated in a little bubble where, um, you know, take Miss Sheila if if um, she has really compromised immune um, deficiencies and uh, her lungs just could not take. Um, a COVID infection. Um, Kenny Oliveira, Miss Ella, uh, is actually another one. Um, folks that would really, really love to be here with us um, and and aren't able to. And you, you know, we we need we need fellowship. You you look from um, go all the way back to Genesis. Um, 
to the, the creative order. God created us to be social, relational beings, and not only with himself, which is most important, of course, um, but, but also with one another. You know, w- one text that uh, we'll consider tonight in, in relation to our study is um, the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so does a man sharpen the countenance of his friends. We, we need one another. Um, and, and so we want to pray especially for all of those who, who can't be um, out in public now like they would love to be. Um, and at the same time, um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of folks when, when, you, when you isolate yourself away from not only the family of God, um, but the Word of God and the, the public, the corporate worship and gathering uh, with God's people. I'm, I'm just a, a firm, <clears throat> excuse me, a firm believer that the enemy, um, he attacks that and he'll hit it head on. And none of us ever arrive to a, a place where um, we're exempt from trials, um, from temptations, um, and so we need to be praying for those who um, are struggling uh, alone right now, and as much as we can, don't allow them to be alone, whether it's by way of telephone, email, um, however we can stay in contact with one another. Um, any others before we pray this evening? Any other prayer requests? We have um, actually two pastors as well. Th- thank you for you brought that to my attention. Um, back home, there, there's a church that I, I typically preach in about once a year or every other year in Gaffney, South Carolina. Uh, his name's Jimmy Powell. And, and then another pastor, um, <clears throat> friend of ours, both are... Um, Jimmy is home now, um, but, but Lord, I, I just had one of those moments, and I'm not old enough for that yet, but they're coming more frequent. Um, Lord, help me. Um, he, God will know who he is. Uh, Pastor Frank's preacher friend back home, um, but, but, but he's in the hospital right now. They just... Uh, moved him, I, I think, yesterday or the day before into intensive care with COVID. Um, so be praying not only for them, but for their families and, and their church members. Danny McCain, there it is. I knew it would come back to me. Um, be praying for them as well. Anybody else? Yes. That's, that storm was... Um, yeah, and and we have some folks working right now on. Uh, I, I was asked 
not to ask for anything uh, particularly right now. We we have uh, Miss Kim Bops is trying to find out what the the tangible physical needs are right there. Certainly, we all need to be praying, but um, and and she's going to compile a list and, and get it back to us so we can contribute to uh, those that m many have lost it literally everything. Um, so we certainly want to do more than pray, uh, put feed on our prayers. Anybody else? Yeah, David and his mom, Judy. Yes, David. David and Judy's other son, Doug, is here, and I think he's going to be taking her back um, to visit with her other with her daughter in Kentucky for a while. Kentucky. Call it Iceland now. Iceland. <laughs> That's a lot of the country right now, too, seems like. Texas is getting slammed. Anybody else? You know, I think it's true, certainly, Blair, with, with our seniors. Um, but, but it's not, you know, the, the emotional toll um, of isolation is tough on young people as well. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the suicide rate has really escalated um, since the whole COVID pandemic thing. And, you know, I... I'll, I'll probably get some heat over this statement, but but I'm really I'm concerned that we're going to look back and and conclude that one of our greatest tragedies was locking down as tightly as what we have. Um, so so please um, be praying for all of these. I don't, you know, I'm just a, I always have been, even when I was lost. I'm a people person, um, and I want to be around people. Um, okay, anybody else? Okay, let's pray. Ian, would you lead us as we pray, brother?
Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Second Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7 um, is our text this evening. I thought this would be more of a, a Sunday morning sermon, but I, I really believe this is where the Lord would have us to go um, this evening. The Bible says in verse number 1, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with you is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray you, to Jordan, and take from there every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go you. And one said, Be content, I pray you, and go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he, the man of God, Elisha, cut down a stick and cast it in there. And the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up unto you, and he put out his hand and took it. It's one of those remarkable texts from the life of Elisha. One of those places where God bypasses the natural and implements the supernatural. Where he performs what we call a miracle. I hope we're all on the same page this evening that we don't limit our experience with God as by way of coming to conclusion that all of God's miracles are past tense. No, I, I believe that whatever God does is a miracle. And God's not sitting idly by in heaven doing nothing until the rapture of the church. What I mean is, I believe God is actively involved in our lives right here, right now. And he's still in the miracle working business. I'm a firm believer that if you've never experienced a miracle, just look this way because there's a miracle standing here this evening. God certainly bypassed the natural means of men implemented the supernatural in changing my life. No question about it. When 
when each of us look in the mirror, we need to conclude and understand we're looking at a miracle. You realize that if you can call yourself a Christian with confidence, that's a miracle. And certainly it was a miracle that God raised him, his son, from the dead some 2,000 years ago in a faraway place called Jerusalem. But wherever you were living at, when you heard the voice of God calling you to himself, that's a miracle. Jesus said that except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So if you have plans on going to heaven one of these days, it's because God worked a miracle in your life. He literally breathed life into death. To be born again is to be Janeo another. Born from above. I can't take credit for my position in the family of God. That was all God working a miracle. So in the text, we have an Old Testament miracle, but the, the miracle begins with a problem. And isn't that the way, really, of all miracles? You don't really need a miracle unless you first have a problem. And so, in, in verse number one, we'll notice the condition of what I call the church. And I believe that that's okay. The Bible says, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elijah, Behold, now the place where we dwell with you is too straight for us. That place where... The prophets dwelt with Elijah, we call the school of the prophets. It would be like a modern-day seminary, a place where preachers were trained and the Word of God was taught. And boy, wouldn't it be just amazing if all of our seminaries just focused their attention on teaching the Bible. That's what preachers need to know. And that's what Elisha was in the business of doing was teaching the word of God to prophets. And the problem that they encounter or experience is one of those problems that you and I would call a good problem. There, there's some problems that's good to have. They had outgrown the seminary, the, the facilities, the building had become too small. I think that probably the experience of, of, of not, not only our church, but most churches today is, is right the opposite of the problem that they experienced. It wasn't their problem was they didn't have enough room. Our problem is we got more room than we need at the moment. But, but I want to suggest to you 
that even what we consider to be negative or even painful problems, whether in the church or, or in our own lives, are all really good problems if we address those problems correctly. That, that is, if a problem causes us to move forward and become better, then that problem, whether it's a good problem or a bad problem, is actually a good problem, especially, especially when they draw us closer to God. Now, in verse number one, there's a problem solver. Aren't you glad for people who don't just point out problems, but they provide solutions? But some characteristics, I think, of a problem solver that, that we need to bring to the table in each of our problems, and certainly when it comes to problems or trials within the church is there has to be a consciousness, an acknowledgement that there is a problem. And what I mean by that is, is I think sometimes we can fall into a trap of pretending everything is okay when everything is not okay. We, we do it in our individual and personal lives, if we're honest with ourselves. When somebody asks us how we're doing, and on the inside, our world's just torn all to pieces, and we say, oh, I'm good. That's denying that there is a problem. And I think sometimes we even blind ourselves to the problems that we truly have because we don't want to face them. And <clears throat> a lot of times, even when we acknowledge that there is a problem, we pretend that it's not there because we don't want everybody else recognizing that we got a problem. And I think probably churches are more guilty of this or as guilty of this rather as... Um, as even individuals sometimes. I mean, um, isn't it true that we want to be uh, part of the best church on the planet? Amen. I think we are. <laughs> um, but let's face it, we're living in a real world with real people and with real problems. Aren't you glad that the Bible doesn't say lost people? Many are the afflictions of just lost people. No, but the Bible makes it clear that many are the afflictions of the righteous, that um, even the most saintly of saints incur, incurs problems and trials. In fact, I've often said this, I don't want to be a part of a church without problems. Because Jesus said, the thief, Satan, cometh to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
And I would be willing to say that a Christian life void of problems or a church void of problems is a church that's too content with where it's at. You see, I think we ought to aspire to be a church that's a threat to the enemy, that's doing something worthy of his recognition that he wants to shut down. So there has to be a, a consciousness and a confession of the problem. And, and I think equally important, maybe even more so, is a concern to care that there is a problem worth dealing with. It's too easy. The easy thing to do is to know that a problem exists and not care enough to do anything about it. So there has to be a concern. You see, a problem will always remain the same problem unless we care enough to do something about the issue that we're grappling with, that we're fighting with. Have you ever recognized just how content we can become with the status quo? How we even have a tendency to gravitate toward comfort and convenience. But the person in our text that goes to Elisha and says, Elisha, we got a problem. He wasn't being negative or critical. He understood that that problem was going to only grow and become bigger if it was swept under the surface and wasn't laid out on the table to be dealt with. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad for those who are sensitive to issues and care enough or concerned enough to point them out. But, but isn't it true that we have a lot more problem pointers than we do problem solvers? I know that Elisha was grateful for this man. I mean, I'm, I'm satisfied that um, Elisha is probably already aware of the problem. I mean, he's sleeping in the same house they are. He knows that the beds are running short and there's not enough water and they have issues that they need to address. One thing that's encouraging to me from this text is Elisha isn't the one that had all of the answers. 
And boy, I sure am glad that the way God has designed the body, his, his body, his family, his church, he doesn't replace all of the responsibility on one person, aren't you? We talk about um, ministry in terms of vocation or bivocation. Ever use those words? But I want to submit to you that that ministry is not a profession. It, it's not for the professionals alone. Let me put it that way. But that God has placed. Each one of us. We, we're, we, we don't even know this man's name. All we know is maybe he was a professor, probably more like a student um, within the seminary, um, but God was going to use him. But the only way God could use him was for him to make himself available. And so he points out the problem, but then he, he begins in the very next breath in verse number 2 coming up with a, a cure for the problem that they were facing. I want you to listen to the personal pronouns in this text. Let us Go, we pray you, to Jordan. And take from there every man a beam. And let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, go you. And one said, be content, I pray you, and go with your servants, plural. And he answered, I will go. There's actually, at the very least, ten personal pronouns in seven verses of Scripture that calls the entirety of the seminary or in, in, in our setting, the entirety of the church to get involved. Elijah says, okay, y'all y'all go cut some trees down and build a seminary. And this man understands that, no, God would have each of us to do our part. There's a... Um, a level of cooperation that comes into play in addressing the issue or the problem um, before these seminary students and Elisha, their leader, but they don't look to Elisha and say, we want you to fix all of this. Say, Elijah, we want you to come on board with us and let's get this thing fixed together. And boy, I'm telling you, I believe that we're living in a time where we as God's people 
need to come together to resolve the issues that we're currently facing. Now, each one, the Bible says, so he went with them in verse 3, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. Now think about that for, for just a moment because um, think about how practical what they're doing really is. But, but really, there's a spiritual purpose to it all. Here's what we're going to do. Everybody get you an axe, and we're going to go chop down some trees and bring them back and build a building. Now, apparently, according to the text, all of them had the ability to swing an axe. And let's face it, it don't take a theologian to grab an axe and chop down a tree. Any, Anybody can do it. And, you know, I think it's important for, for us to understand that when it comes to, to ministry, to, to making the gospel known, to doing what God has called and planted the Bridge Church to be about right here, um, it doesn't take rocket scientist um, but it does require that each one do our part do do the portion that God has given for each one of us to do um, so we're going to have a wood chopping contest this coming week and we want everybody here <laughs> no we're, we're not in the business of running sawmills around here um, but, but I, I think that we need to understand how important every person is in the body of Christ. There's not one person in God's family that's not essential to what God wants to do. Miss Sheila, that includes you. Miss um, Linda, God, God has something that he wants you to, to put your hands to. Um, my spiritual giftedness is not the same um, as, as Miss Sheila's, and, and maybe some of it is, but we, we have our differences, and together we complement one another for the work of the ministry. Um, I think one of the greatest tragedies, um, maybe, maybe I shouldn't say tragedy, but maybe one of the greatest problems within the family of God, universally even, is that we, we have so many people that don't acknowledge what their spiritual gift is. A lot of people who don't even recognize that they have a spiritual gift. L let, me, let me clue you in on something. If you're saved, if, if you're born again, you have a spiritual gift, something that God has assigned you to that I can't do. I, I, might can, I might can work through the motions, but I won't have the power of God on it because that's not my spiritual gift. Um, so 
they each come together to, to go out in the woods and chop down trees. And here's where I'm really trying to get to this evening. The Bible says in verse number 5, But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. Any of y'all, maybe some of your women too, but but probably, I'm not even going to say that. Anybody in here ever busted wood before? Miss Sheila, first one with her hand up in the air. This, this guy is chopping down a, a tree, and he's on the backswing. <laughs> Stop it. He's, don't, don't preach my sermon. He's on, he's on the backswing, and I don't know whether it was on the backswing or coming down, but he recognizes he's lost his edge. Something he did have, he no longer has. He's still got the handle, but he doesn't have the edge. Do you realize no matter how strong you are, if you're busting a piece of wood without the edge, doesn't matter how much power you have in your biceps, if you don't have the edge, doesn't matter what your methodology is, if you don't have the edge. You see, really, all of the power is in the edge. I, I was watching a video just, just yesterday. I don't know why, because I don't want to go into busting wood. That's not where I'm trying to get to tonight. But, but I saw an advertisement for a wood splitter. And this, this, this thing, I'd never seen one like it. It didn't, it didn't lay horizontally like this. It, it was vertical like this. And, man, they was putting logs on this thing like this big around. And, I mean, it was just cutting them up like cheese. And... It just dawned on me. If that edge gets dull, that motor's going to wear out. Didn't have but like maybe a five-horsepower Briggs and Stratton on it. But this thing was cutting wood like crazy. He, he swings back. And all of a sudden, his, his strength's gone. His power's gone. And I think in, in, in our Christian lives... In whatever it is God has, has, has called us to do, it could be our parenting, it, it can be uh, our ministry within the church, it, it can be um, meeting needs in the community, it, it can deal with our, our youth program, our preaching ministry, our music ministry, every aspect really of our entire lives if accomplished in and of our own ability, it'll wear you out. And nothing of eternal value be accomplished. So, so wh where, is, where is our edge when it comes to life, when it comes to living, 
when it comes to the victorious life that Jesus wants us all to enjoy and, and, and have a part of, and especially within the church, what would we define as being our cutting edge? Almost. I think that's the axe handle. Jesus said this, that to the, the, the disciples that he was leaving behind just prior to his ascension, Jesus says, it's necessary that I must go, that he must ascend to the Father, but that when he went, he would send the Comforter back, the Holy Spirit back. And, and then he says, and you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Um, now, now you, you think about this, this guy that lost his axe head. There's, there's several reasons, I believe, that he could have lost his axe head. And, of course, Miss Sheila's right. If you don't have a, a wedge in the handle, uh, your axe head's going to fly off. Um, but, but, you know, could it be that he lost his edge due to neglect? He just assumed it was going to always be there. Didn't inspect or examine his axe, but just kept on chopping away. I want to notice that this man's problem didn't um, come about because he was doing nothing. He was in the middle of chopping down trees when he lost his edge. And I think sometimes it would do us some good just to stop and examine whatever it is God has you doing. L look at your, your, your acts and examine whether or not you've lost your axe head, whether or not you've lost your edge. Is, is, is what you're doing in and of your own strength and ability um, or is there something missing that was there before? I, I remember when we lived in the mountains of North Carolina, not, not my hometown, but even up higher on a, a mountain. It was called Hogback Mountain. Ain't that a name of a place? Where you live at, Hogback Mountain? Um, boy, that sounds up there, out there, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> um, but, but anyway, it was actually, a, I don't know why we moved there, but it was actually somebody's summer home. Um, and the only heat in the home was a wood stove. Um, didn't have central heat and air, and the house was built up on stilts, so it was an underpin. It, it got cold, good gracious, it got cold up there in the winter. It got so cold up there one time, we come home, and our toilet bowl had literally froze and busted and fell porcelain fell apart there and that's how cold it got up there so my daddy kept me chopping wood and every now and again when I was chopping wood I'd have to stop because even with the wedge in it every now and again you had to look at it and anybody ever done this before with an axe handle 
<laughs> beat on the axe handle so it, it, it'll sit back down and, and, and you still have your power. Uh, listen, I, I think that that's where, maybe especially after this last year, a lot of us have found ourselves out. We need to stop just a minute and check our axe head and get our edge back. So, so I want to take just a few moments and, and, and talk about that. How, how do you reclaim the power that you used to have that's no longer there? And, and I want to say I believe the hardest step is the first step. But as one man was filling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. For a Christian, I think the hardest step in recovering the spiritual strength and power and stamina that we once possessed that is no longer there is to first acknowledge that what you had ain't no more. It takes an honest look in, in the mirror, an evaluation of self, and it takes brutal honesty that where I'm at ain't as good as where I used to be. You ever found yourself in a spiritual slump? Well, I'm glad three of us, I'm not the only one in that crowd. And, 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 and I think it goes right back to the same issue with acknowledging the problem because it's easy to see the problem as long as the problem ain't. If, if I can blame Ian for the problem, that's a whole lot easier than looking in the mirror and saying, man, you know what? I'm missing something. There's, there's something in my life that's not what it used to be. So he, he first acknowledges it, but, but then he not only acknowledges it, but he turns to his brother and he confesses it to him. I told you we would, we would get to the text where the Bible says that as iron sharpens iron, so does a man sharpen the countenance of his friend. Boy, isn't that a wonderful truth? You, you got any friends that sharpen you? Have, have, have you noticed that the people that really know how to put an edge on don't care if they rub you the wrong way? I mean, you think about it. When you're sharpening a piece of steel, if that steel had feelings, it wouldn't feel good because you're taking the edge off that's there, the, the dull edge off that's there. As iron sharpens iron, so does a man sharpen the countenance of his friends. Boy, I had a conversation with one of my accountability partners today, and I was so furious with him before we ever even got off the phone. I wanted to hang up on him. <laughs> but, but listen, th that's really the kind of people that, that's why he's my accountability partner. That's the, that's the folks that that we need in our lives because we'll not get any better if all we surround ourselves with is people patting us on the back telling us what a good job we're doing. 
Wouldn't you rather have somebody that's honest enough to help you to become better than what you truly are? And, and so we, we need one another to um, reclaim our edge once it has been lost. But that takes honesty. And then he acknowledges this. He says, for it was borrowed. We don't even have him telling him that it's gone. He don't even say that. He just, and, and the way it seems in the text is Elisha's over here somewhere. He, he's probably swinging his own axe. And this guy's over here. And, and when, when, when he comes to Elisha, he don't even tell him I lost my axe head. He just says, alas, it was borrowed. I don't know, maybe he's standing there holding an axe handle with no head on it. But, but I think the point is this, is that Elisha didn't need him to tell him something was missing. Elisha saw it. He knew it. He was probably aware of it. And, you know... We need, to, we need to remember that sometimes people will see things in our lives that we can't even see for ourselves. Maybe even before we see them for ourselves in, in positive and negative ways. Um, you know, I, I think, um, well, look, looking back in hindsight, I'm, I'm pretty content that um, I was the first one that God told uh, he was calling me into the ministry. I, I, I believe that, but I wasn't the first one to admit it. Um, I, I think others could see that in my life before I was able to, uh, or willing rather, to admit it to myself. My pastor saw that. I think my wife saw that. I, I'm, I'm quite satisfied my mother-in-law, they might not have known exactly what it was God was calling me into, but they knew something was missing. And sh shouldn't we know one another well enough um, to recognize when something that used to be there isn't there anymore? And we need to love each other enough and be concerned about one another enough that when we see that something missing, we have the courage to acknowledge that it's not there. And, and so he, he confesses it to Elijah. And, and man, it seems like every time I talk to one of my accountability partners, he's something I've got to confess. Now, I know y'all y'all's more spiritual than that, and y'all don't have issues going on in your own life. Without confession, there is no healing. And there is no getting any stronger. Because you see, when I confess it to somebody else, I give them permission to become my accountability partner. I open myself up to instruction from the people that God has placed around me to sharpen me and, and to make me stronger. We don't um, need to run around with our feelings on our shoulders wearing them on our shirt sleeve. By, by the way, let me say this before I go any further. 
if you wear your feelings on your shoulder, they will get knocked off eventually. Sooner or later, somebody will knock them off. Whether intentionally or, or, or not, they will get knocked off. But we should really be open and welcome to, here's that word again from last week, constructive criticism. I ain't talking about complainers, but, but we should all be open and welcome to constructive criticism because that helps us become stronger. And the man of God said, where fell it? Now, now he, here we have this guy. He acknowledges, man, what I used to have, it ain't there no more. I've lost my edge. I've, I've lost the power that I did possess. Man, I was chopping away. Wood chips was flying, and then all of a sudden, everything stopped. I'm still swinging maybe, but nothing's happening. He confesses that. And notice Elisha's first words wasn't an instruction but a question. Where fell it? Where'd you lose it at? I, I know I'm not the only one in here ever lost somebody, something and, and, and somebody asked you, where'd you lose it? Well, if I knew where I lost it, it wouldn't be lost. <laughs> Happens with my car keys all the time. I, I can't find my car keys. John will say, well, where did you leave? <laughs> really? If I, if I knew where I left them, they wouldn't be lost. But, but apparently the man of God understood that if you've lost your power, if you've lost your strength, if you've lost your edge, the first step to getting it back is going back to where you lost it at. Where, where, where did you lose it? Where did you recognize that you didn't have the strength? Or Where, where can you look back on? Now, Elisha, uh, the, 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 this, this guy had already walked away from the place that he lost it at, and Elijah asked him, where fell it? Where did you lose it? So in order to get back to that place, this guy's got to turn, turn around and go back to right where he lost it at. How many of you believe that God could have supernaturally intervened where that man was standing with Elijah and given him his accent back? I believe that. When we see what he's going to do, certainly God could have done that, but he didn't. He required, God required, that he go back to where he lost it at. Charlie was honest enough to, to share with me. I hope you don't mind me sharing this. If you, you'll get over it, I, I believe. Um, that, <laughs> that, that over this last year, man, um, he like... Probably all of us sitting here, I know myself included, has been struggling, um, especially through all of the, the political chaos and stuff that was going on. And I'm going to submit to you that some of us might need to go back a good ways to get to that place where we lost that edge. But because... Where you lose that edge at is the place you start operating according to your own ability and your own power. That place where the Holy Spirit, though he'll never leave you or forsake you, Ian, he just ain't on what you're doing anymore. You, you, you ever sense that? 
And, and, and so he, he says, where, where fell it? And he showed him the place. So he, he goes back to the place where he lost it. And he cut down a stick, Elisha cut down a stick and cast it in there. And boy, don't you just love this. And the iron did swim. I like that. B because anytime I throw a chunk of metal into a body of water, it sunk. It didn't hang out at, and float on the top. It didn't settle about the middle of the water. It, it sunk all the way to the bottom. It's what they make what? Yeah, that boat anchors. That's what, that's what it was. His axe head had become a boat. That's pretty good. His axe head had become a boat anchor. But the Bible says God resurrected his axe head. That that was laying on the bottom rose to the top. Now, stand there on the shore of that creek bank with Elijah and this man that had lost his axe head. Elijah cuts a stick. You see, I, I believe that whatever God does in this world today, he does by the way of the stick, by the way of the cross. I believe that has to represent the cross of Calvary. And I believe that the rising of that axe head must be a picture of the resurrection of Christ. But, but, but I believe that also by way of application in your life and in mine, it can be a resurrection of the power in our lives that we've left behind somewhere in God resurrecting. Now, boy, that, that's a good story, isn't it? I think it is. If the story stopped right there, this man still chopping wood with no axe head. But he had to reach out and reclaim it himself. Now, isn't this interesting? Do you think God really needed for Elijah to stand there and throw a stick in the water? No. God could have, um, I don't even believe he had to say it, just thought it, and the axe head would have come to the surface. But there was a part that Elijah had to do, at least from God's perspective. And, and, and I just really believe that in the church today, and when I say church, please understand, I'm not talking about the, 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 the bridge building uh, or I'm not talking about even just the membership of the bridge. I, I'm talking about in the church age, the church universally. I, I believe that even today, what God does, God does through His church. That, that means what God is going to do in Brunswick County, Bill, He's going to do through you. Ms. Sheely's going to do through you. Ashley, he's going to use you. 
Now, he could do it without us. Not a doubt in my mind, but boy, it's encouraging to me to know that God wants us to actively be involved in what he's doing in his world. So Elisha had his part, but, but then also God didn't exempt the man that had lost his axe head from doing his part. He had to reach out and take it. He had to reach out and claim that that God had made available to him. And, and, and I think that's important because, Miss Sheila, I, I, I'm afraid that we sometimes are okay with this as long as we're doing this. And please don't, don't hear me discouraging you. I want to encourage you to spend some time doing this and doing this. But, but we don't have them sitting there just praying for the windows of heaven to open up and God to do everything. And I don't know, maybe, maybe Elijah just recognized that God will always do his part. Aren't you glad for that? But that God's not at, at, probably not going to do his part if we sit passively by and won't do our part. You see, I think Miss Sheila was on to something when her first response to my question, what is our power? What is our edge? What is our axehead? And her first response was a good response, by the way, was the Word of God. And, and you see, according to Scripture, according to the Bible, the Holy Spirit, our edge, is the spirit of truth. And Bill, where I'll always become stronger when I'm weaker. When I'll, that place where I can come to and reach out and take what it is that God wants to give to strengthen me, to make me stronger, to, to sharpen my, to put an edge on that which was dull is always the same place. When I come back to the spirit of truth in the word of God. If, if you look at the entirety, and I'm, I'm done, I, I, I promise. <laughs> I got to be careful about making promises I can't keep. <laughs> it, but, but just for a moment, each of you sitting here this evening, and, and those of you joining with us online tonight, could I ask you to examine your accent? As you look over your life since having become a Christian, just look backwards. Can, can you see a place in the past where you remember a greater sense of God's presence and power on your life than what's right here, right now? Is, is there a time or a period when the wood chips was flying and, and, and now maybe you found yourself doing the same stuff 
but not seeing the same effect. I, I remember when I was a young boy up on that mountain busting wood. Man, it, it, it put a hurting on you. <laughs> yeah, but if the edge was sharp, you could at least see yourself making some progress. But when that thing, anybody ever tried to do it with a dull axe head? It bounces. It, it does. It just, and I, you know, I imagine that's, that's where this guy's living at right now. In, 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 in our text, he's, he's like trying to bust that piece of cherry or, 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 or red oak. And it's just bouncing off, bouncing off of it. And, and Tim, I, I'm afraid, man, that, that somehow in our Christian lives, it's not because we're not doing nothing. This guy was actively engaged when he lost it. But maybe it's that we don't stop from time to time and examine ourselves and ask ourselves the question. Uh, listen, I'm not talking about effect. What I mean by that is I'm not talking about how much wood you're piling up. You see, Miss Susan, I believe the results always belong to God. He's not called any of us to be successful. But he's called all of us to be faithful. And so I'm not, I'm not talking about effect. But I'm talking about knowing that the presence and the power of God is on your life regardless of the results. Here's a good way to answer that question. You can swing that go devil or that axe when it's sharp and swing it and swing it and swing it and swing it because it's going right through what you're swinging it at. But you won't swing a dull one, but so long, it, listen, it will wear you out. And you know what I've learned, Miss Ashley? That in what God has called me to do, I, there's no question in my mind what God's, you may disagree with me, not no question in my mind what God's called me to do. But I also know what it's like to try to do it in my own strength. It will wear you out. And then, guess what? It ain't fun no more. <laughs> Amen? Amen. So, so I want to challenge you this evening um, to, to examine, examine your accent. Is, is there that point in that place that, that you can go back to and say, Man, I enjoy that. And now I'm just kind of muddling through it. Wore out all the time. <laughs> yeah. Father, Lord, I am so grateful that you have equipped this church, my family, with giftedness and, 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 and your presence and your power available on each of our lives.
And God, we understand that what you've called us to do is so much more important than building bigger buildings. God, you've called us to reach people with the gospel. And Lord, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest with you, there are always times in our lives when we can look backwards and, and see where we were sharper. Where maybe we were more discerning and sensitive and experienced in a greater way your presence and power on our lives and your ministries. And so God, we pray this evening that whatever needs resurrected in each of our lives, wherever that place is that we might need to go back to, that you'd give us the good sense and discernment to discern, go back to that place. God, resurrect the power in our lives and give us the grace to reach out and grab a hold of it, to claim it, to own it. God, I just believe that you have an awesome purpose and a plan for each and every one of us. God, you could have saved us and took us straight to heaven, but you didn't. You left us here with purpose. Lord, we're just so grateful to look around and see what you're doing in this world and um, just want to be a part of it. Help us to honor you in all that we do. To be sensitive to the unction, to the Spirit of God. God, to be empowered by your spirit is our greatest strength, our greatest joy. We want what we do with our lives in the time that you give us to have eternal value, eternal impact. God, that you might help us to reach men and women and boys and girls for the cause in the kingdom of Christ. Father, we do pray for those that, um, Lord, that are struggling right now, whether with physical ailments like um, Miss Sheila and Kenny and um, Hugh and Teresa and Jerry and Terry Hewlin. Just ask you to lay your healing hand on their bodies. We still believe that you're the great physician today that you were 2,000 years ago when you walked the shores of Galilee. So we pray you lay your healing hand on them. God, there are those that are going through emotional pain and stress right now, even, even within our own families and our church family. And God, you promised that when you left, you'd send the comforter back. So we just pray that you continue to give that peace that passes all understanding. God, we pray for ourselves and each of those within the body of Christ, Lord, that may have unconfessed, unrepented of sin in our lives. God, may you examine us. 
show us those things that, that Lord, that maybe we don't even want to see. Give us the grace to confess, repent, and be restored. We love you. If we could just say but one thing to you this evening, we'd want to say thank you and we love you. Help us to honor you in all that we do. To love you above everything, everyone, and to love one another the way you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you so much for being here.